liberty is a hot garbage institution. Outside of that, liberty's just a just a mess. They're a terrible, terrible institution. And if you went to liberty and you have any complaints, we only accept written complaints, uh, which will be a problem because you never learn to read or write. So I guess we're good. <laughs> Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Kyle Lerner, Kevin O'Keefe, and Brett Fortnum. And Syracuse has doubled its win total from 2020 with two wins this season, a whopping 62-24 to win over Albany. The Orange handled their business the way you would hope they would. Offense moved the ball well. Sean Tucker went off, to say the least. He had 13 rushes for 132 yards and four touchdowns. Three receptions for 121 yards and another touchdown. So he came one touchdown short of the record by a Syracuse running back. The record six held by Jim Brown. Fun fact, though, I learned, in case anybody's interesting, the person who is responsible for the most Syracuse touchdowns in a game, this is not somebody people would expect. Zach Mahoney. Really? Had seven against Pitt. Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Oh, in the like the like 76, 65 the game, whatever. Scoring it was. College yeah. football game ever. That's not yes. surprising at all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I it's just because you it's not the name you would think of right away. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Zach yeah. Mahoney. So there you go. There's your Syracuse trivia for the week. We got to see a lot of both Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader. Tommy DeVito, six and nine for 147 yards and a touchdown, five rushes for another 28 yards. We got a lot of Garrett Schrader, guys. I know we had talked about wanting to see more of him. We got it. He was 11 of 15 for 190 yards, passing and a touchdown. Ran nine rushes for another 42 yards and two touchdowns. So he certainly had a good day. We can get a little bit more into the specifics of how things looked. Sean Tucker was the leading receiver. That might not be really what we wanted to see. We wanted to see a little more from the passing game in this, but... Courtney Jackson, Devon Cooper, they both had three receptions each. Damian Alford had one catch, but it was a 75-yard touchdown. The big knock on this game is the penalties. Holy crap. 16 penalties for 163 yards. That's now, incredible. That is and, a, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That, but that doesn't even take into account the plays that would have gone for touchdowns. Oh, yeah. You have one bubble screen, because a bubble screen actually worked, that got called back for a hold. And then you had the punt return that if it wasn't a touchdown, it would have been first and goal on like the one-inch line. And then you had a 40-yard Sean Tucker run called back. You cannot do that against Liberty or against any of these ACC opponents. These silly penalties have got to stop. And it was something to the effect of like seven face masking penalties, which I've never seen. Uh, they mentioned that at one point during the broadcast. That cannot happen. That is a 15-yard penalty every time. There's no excuse for that. We've not been a very good team with penalties for years. It's not a surprising thing under Dino, unfortunately. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is like our first game this year was very clean. We played very clean. We didn't have that many penalties. And for whatever reason, this past two weeks has just been awful. And, and this past week especially, really bad. Makes but, you think what the final score would have been if we hadn't had any penalties. I mean, if you're able to put that much up on the board, whew, the offense has unlimited potential if they just get their act together. 
you saw in that game how high we can fly when we get everything going. But then you get these stupid-ass shot in the foot, a game that gets wiped out here, just like a dumb offside for a false start. And then, you know, obviously going back to last week, we had the killer Dino penalty that really kind of ended things for us against Rutgers. So, I mean, going forward, we just need to have some more discipline out there and, you know, stay focused and, and, and not commit those stupid unforced errors. But you can't um, have big plays no. called back. You, no. you, that, that is just a momentum killer. You cannot afford to have that. I want to jump in here because I don't think that we saw that much that we didn't already know. I did not learn anything about our first team offense. I know that Tommy, Tommy did throw a beautiful deep ball, which second time he's done this to me. I said last week, he only throws the deep ball when it's a one-on-one on the outside and it's just a let the receiver go get it. This time he actually waited for the receiver to break before he tossed a perfect pass for a touchdown. That was nice, but I only saw him make one intermediate pass. Uh, I think he probably had two, but one was called back. And otherwise, it was a Sean Tucker show. And the level of competition, unfortunately, it was it was bad. I mean, Albany is a bad football team. So I don't think we can really take much away from this. And really what we saw was Sean Tucker run wild, which we already knew we could do. And we didn't see that much different from Tommy. And we did learn about Garrett Schrader, unfortunately. But I don't think that I saw anything on Saturday that gives me any confidence in this offense when we see, when we face a real defense. Schrader was disappointing. He's more athletic than DeVito, but he was not making the intermediate throws. It looked like he was throwing off balance a bit. And he was For the record, he, he made 11 of his 15 passes. So, I mean, he but only the missed four that he four. missed were a but, bad yeah. four. There were, there were yeah. underthrown passes yeah. 20 yards downfield that need to be completions. And even his completions just didn't have the same zip on it. I mean, I know that he doesn't have the same arm strength as Tommy does. But as somebody who has been kind of clamoring for Schrader and has been a Tommy hater for a while, I was almost kind of like addition by subtraction here where like Tommy kind of got a, a better stranglehold on the starting position because at least in my eyes, Schrader performed incredibly poorly. I agree. I agree. And I've also been clamoring for more Schrader and have not been a card carrying member of the Tommy DeVito fan club, as I'm sure everyone knows. And I think that if... Schrader couldn't impress us against Albany. I don't think he's going to. I think that what happened was they got him because they needed a backup, and you're never going to recruit someone to be a backup, so they had to promise him playing time. And he hasn't shown that he can take the starting job away from Tommy. What really, really pisses me off was the comments that DeVito made before the Albany game when he said that he thought he's done enough to be the starting quarterback. I think he has done enough to be the starting quarterback. I think that that is, that it's a true statement. It's arrogant, but it's true. I don't think so. To me, it sounds like he has no competition. He's never exactly. had any competition, which is the problem. But to say that he's done enough, I mean, look at his record as a starter. He is 8-12 and 12 in games where he has attempted more than 15 passes. So I got rid of the ones where he just spelled Dungy for a bit or where he's got hurt early on but eight and 12 is not good and look at the comp most of those games are not acc opponents so for him to say that he's done enough i mean he threw for less than 100 yards in the opener the second game he 
looked terrible. What makes him think that he's done enough other than a lack of competition? It seems to me that he thinks he is entitled to that job. Up until this point, I've always figured he's a good kid whose skill set doesn't match the expectations. But now I just kind of think that he's arrogant. And I don't think that these... Syracuse quarterback, given what the program has been, has any right to be arrogant. I don't think he's arrogant. I think that he's a guy who knows his worth to this team. He understands where he's at, and he also knows what he needs to be saying in order to keep the job. I frankly wouldn't appreciate it if he was out there saying, like, oh, yeah, it's anybody's competition, and, like, you know, I sucked the last couple years, and I don't really do that well under pressure, and I throw the ball away on fourth down. Like, no, he's, he's going to be confident because, I mean, you have to be extremely confident to be under that amount of pressure every single week and, you know, in pre- pressure in a number of ways, especially last year with the offensive line the way it was. But, I mean, like, I don't know. I, this is a pretty negative conversation for you know, talking about a team that just won 62-24. to 24. Against I mean, a high school team. Right, Albany, but we did – we are starting from such a low bar. I mean, last season was such a disappointment that – it's nice to be able to blow out a team that you're supposed to blow out. And, I mean, I can't say enough about Sean Tucker. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned before, Brett, like, yeah, like we knew he was capable of this, but there's a difference between knowing that someone can do that and watching them actually do it in in live game action, which was really impressive. Do we know what his yards after catch were? Many. It has to be some – like incredibly high number just to kind of close the probably close to what he got for yards per care uh, per catch yeah, you know, after right, contact yeah. in high school. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Let's also bring this up because Brent Axe uh, has started really pounding the time to bring back the number 44 drum. And this is something that we've heard a lot of from fans here and there. But this is the first time we've really heard somebody like Brent Axe really, really beating that drum now of we need to bring back the number 44, Sean Tucker's the guy. Now, you can point out the fact that this was Albany, uh, although this is his second really big game of the season already. And he was obviously playing very well last year as well. So what do you guys think about this? You know, 44 is technically a retired number. Yeah, there's been a lot of consternation about bringing it back. I think there's some people said there were some people who used to wear the number 44 who didn't want to bring it back at one point. So where are we on this? I I frankly don't have a problem with bringing it back. If you've played hard enough to deserve it, why not? It's a tradition that traditions are more fun to keep alive. Why kill it is kind of my take. Well, my, my position is yes, as long as – bringing it back doesn't kill it. Yeah. So if we just have, you know, a couple of seasons where we give it out and then the the player just kind of fizzles out and, you know, isn't this, isn't this like rock star that you're, you're expecting to be the number 44 um, on the other side, if this bringing back the number 44 and awarding it to great running backs helps foster a culture of pounding the football, you know, running, uh, and a serious commitment to running the football, you know, each and every year, then Then we'd be a great team in the 1980s. It's not a different game than it was back then, but I think it's, it still does apply. I mean, I I wouldn't say, am I okay with giving it to Sean Tucker right now? No. Um, But if Sean Tucker 
keeps you know making strides the way that he is it's, it's at least a conversation for, i have a very years. easy solution to this which is just that you only give it to upperclassmen if they have proven yeah. in their freshman year and their sophomore year and the other caveat is that it has to be voted on by his teammates right if it is given like to an that. upperclassman voted on by his teammates 100 percent give it out but i agree we can't be giving it out just every year somebody has it it has to be earned Give it to and Tucker it never for two was years. every year. Exactly, right? Give it to Tucker for two years. Hopefully, he'll lead us to a national championship, right? Or whatever. And then retire it for five more years until the next Larry Zonka comes by. And then give it to the you know that guy. I think that they should absolutely bring it back. And I agree to an extent with both of you. The way I would do it, I would not say it only goes to a running back. I would give it to an offensive captain. So... It's not just about performance on the field. That has to be an aspect of it, and it has to be a very important aspect of it. But you need leadership qualities. You need strong character. And I think that it's not something you want to have every single year. I think that someone like Chris Elmore, we should be thinking about him. And, you know, has he earned the right to wear 44 with everything he's done for this team? And I think they could use it as a recruiting tool. Do you want to be the next 44, the next great Syracuse player? That's going to be an interesting thing to monitor. Stars and demerits from the Albany game. Let's go through just who impressed you, who didn't. Kevin, you go first. I'm going to give all – how many stars do I get? Five? Ten? I'm going to give five – you know what? I'm going to give myself ten stars to all Deshaun Tucker. We all know how well I enjoy the, the run game. So I like I think Sean Tucker is a great, great asset for this team, and I I, I really hope he 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 keeps at it and keeps getting better. Brett, I'm going to give a demerit to Trevor Pena because the only touchdown that Albany scored on Saturday was because Tommy DeVito well, hit only Trevor one Pena. before garbage time. Yeah, Tommy DeVito hit Trevor Pena in the hands. And he just he went full Rick Jackson out there, and it bounced off his hands. Albany pick sixed it, and it, it was it was just a bad showing. And I also want to give an honorable mention to Merritt since I'm going to stick within the confines that we agreed to, and not just award myself extra things like ten stars, and give an honorable mention to Merritt to Dino Babers because there is no reason on the face of the planet that Sean Tucker should have seen the field in the second half. None. Yeah. And I did not want to, I don't want to see him get hurt. And there's no reason he needs to be playing against Albany in the second half. If, if he was thinking about giving him a record, he obviously didn't try and do that because there are plenty of opportunities for him to tie the Syracuse touchdown mark, but that wasn't the plan. So I have no idea why he saw the field in the second half. Okay. Do you guys see Deontay Johnson get hurt in the Steelers game on Sunday? On the last During a play game, the game on the last play that they were down by nine points. They couldn't even have won, even if he'd scored a touchdown. Crazy. I did, I did. By the way, Brett, that is uh two demerits in a uh, in a row for uh, Mr. Pena over there. Because I gave him one last week. So mm-hmm. yeah. And well, he, he has one star too. You gave he he's I think the only person who uh appear all all three episodes so far. I mean, he almost had a touchdown if it wasn't called back, too. 
So you know, he he had a lot. He's he's been he's been like in everything. Yeah. He's an aspiring friend, enemy of the podcast. A friend of me, no, the no. the podcast's first friend of me, Colin. Just to uh, bother Brett, I will uh, award myself five stars and give five stars to the um, Syracuse wide receiving core outside of Taj Harris. It was very nice to see with Harris not playing. Other wide receivers actually step up and make a play. Courtney You're giving Jackson a star to someone I gave it to Merrick. Excuse today. me, sir. Sir, it is my time to give my <laughs> stars, please. Please, sir. So it was very nice to see Courtney Jackson make a nice play. Anthony Queeley got in there, finally showed off his wheels, finally got a pass that could actually you know, be thrown somewhere in his catch radius. So um, it was nice to see our wide receiver core show up. It was great to see Luke Benson actually catch two passes on the first drive of the game. It's a shame he got hurt, but hey, we actually used our tight end more than we have all year. So, you know, go for uh, the Syracuse wide receiving court. Well, I'm going to have to bring the obvious to merit here. And this one kind of is a team-wide. And I know people might not like that it's team-wide, but I can't name every person who committed a penalty. So we're just going to say better discipline to the whole team. You cannot have 16 penalties for 116, 163 yards, and you cannot have seven face mask penalties. So it eliminated three big plays. Sean Tucker committed one of those face masks, just to say that, you know, not everything from Sean Tucker is good. Most things are. Uh, but he had a face mask. It's just, no. So the whole program gets a demerit for having a record for uh, penalties in a game. Uh, That is absolutely inexcusable. As the self-declared commissioner of the podcast, I'm finding you all 500 goon bucks for breaking the rules. Who made you the commissioner? Uh, It's right in the title, self-declared commissioner. No one else has declared themselves commissioner, so I'm doing it. Coup, 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 coup. Overthrow Brett. Um, I haven't voted on any commissioner, so... We will yeah. take again self-declared. Yeah. This is what's going to keep all of our listeners in like uh, suspense over, over this week. We'll choose a new uh, commissioner and we will see who it is next week. And it will not be Brett. Um, so let's talk about what's coming up. Although before I do that, I do want to point out Syracuse has the fourth ranked defense in the country. So by what metric, when you go in total defense, go on ESPN's website, we only allow 225.3 yards a game, and that's good enough for fourth in the country. So, hey, enjoy it. That's a great thing. <laughs> they give up 161.7 passing yards a game, 63.7 rushing yards a game. Obviously, the Albany game somewhat skews that, but you know they honestly did good in the other two games too. So this defense is, is doing really, really well. And Ohio is also and- yet to win a game. Yeah, this is true, but I would also point out that most of those teams in FBS have played in FCS school as well. So that at least, you know, everybody's kind of had that game so far. So Friday night, Syracuse hosts Liberty. Liberty is one spot out of the top 25, so they came just short in the polls. 8 p.m. Friday night on the ACC Network. Fridays have been good to Syracuse overall in the past several years. Syracuse is 6-3 and three on Friday nights under Dino Babers, and they are 15-6 and six in weekday games 
since the 2010 pinstripe ball. So, uh, weekday games have treated Syracuse actually pretty well. Liberty coming in here 3-0. and Now, they're coming off a big win over Old Dominion, 45-17 last week. But the week before, they went to Troy, one of the better teams in the Sun Belt Conference, only won 21-13, which means that you can slow down this team. Um, but the key is to slow down Malik Willis, who is probably one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the country. 49-69 so far this year for 613 yards. He's got a 71% completion percentage. He's thrown for seven touchdowns. He has 34 rushing attempts for 225 yards. He's the number one rusher on the Liberty football team. So the key is to stop him. As you guys know, in recent years, we have not been the best at stopping dual-threat quarterbacks. Uh, this has always kind of been an issue for Syracuse, even when we've had good defenses. Uh, and it's going to be a real challenge for this team and for this defense. This is going to be their biggest challenge yet against a very quality opponent. As we look at this, what are we thinking? How do you try to neutralize that quarterback to give yourself a chance? I mean, it all starts with the linebackers, right? You got you to gotta have those guys cheating up as much as possible. I don't remember him being a super prolific passer last year. I mean, I think he's good, but I think he was hurt last year, right? I think he, I think he was coming off an injury. I believe yeah. he, he played against us, but he was coming off an injury. Him, yeah. But I don't think he embarrassed us. I think we just kind of, you know, like every we're other bad. game in the year, we're bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly show up. Uh, but I, I think it all, it all starts with keeping an eye on the quarterback from the linebacker position and, you know, moving those guys into a to a containment area, but at some point he's gonna let let loose, and at that point you're gonna have to bend but not break. Yeah. Um, so once you get inside the twenties, that's when it's gonna matter most. Holding them to field goals and not just giving up in the red zone, uh, as we have so often seen. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I really don't think that our defense is going to be what wins us or loses us this game. I believe that our defense will hold him to about 20, 24, 29 points, which is what we've held him to the past few years. Um, I think it's up to our offense to stick with him. I think we have the secondary to hang with the receivers. Our linebacker is a little bit unproven. I'm a little bit worried about that. We don't have the same linebacker core that we've had the past few they, years. They have looked good so far. They though. they have looked good, but they're under Gail Jones. They listen. They have looked very good, but again, as we've mentioned a, f- a few times this podcast, this is going to be the a huge jump in competition. Um, so this will be a big test for them. But again, I think it's going to come down to how well our offense can execute. If you score 30 points in this game, you will win. If you score less than 30 points, I believe you will lose. I think it's really as simple as that. I agree with you, Colin, that it's not going to be our defense that wins us or loses us this game. I have Liberty scoring probably about 20 points, but I don't trust that our offense against a real FBS defense can score 20 points. I've seen nothing that indicates that they are capable of doing that. I would assume they're going to stack the box against Tucker and not let Tucker beat them. And I'm going to say this a lot this year. I've already said it before. They're going to challenge Tommy, and I don't know that Tommy can beat him. It's going to be a game where I I agree. I mean, it it is going to fall on. The offense is going to have to be able to keep up because the defense is going to slow down Liberty, but you're not going to keep them out of the end zone. You're not going to shut them down as much as they've shut down some opponents because – 
Liberty's just too talented, and they've got a very talented quarterback. And now the good thing is he has a favorite target that is very obvious when you look at the stat chart. Um, Demario Douglas has 10 more receptions than anybody else on the team. Deuce Island, so, baby. Let's go. Deuce Island. So, so Garrett you know, Williams. Like Garrett Williams on him. I, I would probably put Garrett Williams on him. I I'm, would so. rather yeah, put the guy with more experience on, on them. And then, for whatever, this team has a lot of people who go by letters. TJ Green, <laughs> DJ Stubbs, CJ Daniels. Uh, wait, wait, but Okay, but they all have a J. Is the J John in all of them? I don't know. That's this, these are questions I didn't look into. Oh, uh, ask BJ Johnson. So, so I mean, DJ Stubbs and CJ Daniels are the next two on those in the receiving core. One has 102 yards, one has 91 yards, but they don't get that many catches a game. So I would put Deuce Chestnut on one of them. And again, running game, they have one running back who has 132 yards this year, another who has 127 yards. And then you have Malik Willis going for 225. So a lot is going to fall on the front, putting pressure on, and those linebackers to shut down that running game. To me, it seems like force them to pass. Can you force them to pass and have to go toward either Deuce Chestnut or Garrett Williams? I think if you can do that, you can maybe shut down that, that offense enough that that gives a chance for Tommy DeVito and this offense. But – Offensively, I really do think what Kevin said before the first game applies. And I thought about it watching the end of the Albany game when Jarvie and Howard was looking good. Abdul Adams had some good runs, albeit against Albany. But it became this unique. If they can establish a one-two punch or a one-two-three punch of running backs and just run it down a defense's throat time and time and time again. You can wear a defense out. You can control the football. And that's the thing. Malik Willis can't do anything if he doesn't have the football in his hands. If we do that on the season, then I, I could see us ending up in the top 10 overall defense as we are now. Oh. Oh, uh, just, yeah. just you know, you control the clock. You keep a Malik Willis off the field, you yeah. know, and that's that's how you limit the amount of opportunities that a guy like that has to beat you. The other way you do it is cost turnovers. You, you got to wreak havoc, crash the pocket, you know, make the guy uncomfortable, make him throw it, and then you know, you bring the heat uh, when you when you, as much as you possibly can. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that making him uncomfortable and and getting in situations that he is not used to, just being able to you know float out of the pocket and, and do whatever he wants. Uh, we we just can't let that happen because that that's when you get just burned and. I always go back to the 2013 game against Georgia Tech where we just got burned by that, like, flexbone mobile quarterback situation. We lost about, like, 60 points. It's just that can never happen again. He had, like, 200 yards rushing in that game. I mean, okay, so I'm not buying that we're a top four defense in the country. I'm not buying we're even a top 10 defense in the country. But I will buy that we're a top 30 defense in the country. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And certainly good enough to contain – Liberty, a school as terrible and awful, and I, I wish Joe was here to really give his take. But I do think that we have the defense to contain Malik Willis. Yeah, I, I agree. Matt, you made this point Saturday. Our offensive line still did not look good when it came no. to protecting the quarterback. No. Against the middle school Albany. Mm-hmm. 
they keep getting demoted. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say they've been yeah. getting younger and younger. <laughs> my my, my sister went there, so I, I love to throw throw huh. shade. Uh, it got better through the game, but it wasn't what I wanted to see. Yeah, Kevin was right. The the Danes kind of kept it close for like the first ten minutes, like a great Dane would, and you know, runs around Aaron Jack and then just tanked. So I just I don't trust that our offensive line is gonna give the quarterback a chance to throw the football and I don't trust our quarterback to make the right decisions when he's forced to. Yeah. It's time to make some predictions. Uh, we've got, so Syracuse Liberty, let's go have Colin go first this time. Okay. Get a prediction. So sticking with my previous over 30, win under 30 loss, I am going to say that we are going to win this game 34 to 24. Okay. Brett, now let me remind you that preseason, Brett was talking about this as a win. So let's see if he still thinks this could be a win. So for our listeners who were reading between the lines, the reason I was calling this a win was because, to me, we had to go 2-2. Two and two. And I always thought we were going to go 2-2, two to two, and I had to believe that we were going to beat Liberty, and I thought we were going to lose to Ohio. I... I have to believe that we're going to beat Liberty. I do. Like it, it it's almost it's not quite Georgetown because Georgetown's a different thing. But like I hate Liberty so much that I need to believe that we can win this game, and I don't. I just don't. I've seen nothing from this program the last three, three years that can convince me that they can win any game that I really, really want them to. They're, so are you picking it's just the winners. Players. Yeah, you gotta be. So so you said we have to win, but I don't think we will. So. A score, please. <laughs> 20 to 7. You got to say who's in the lead. Uh, I have to go. Okay. Sounds like 20 to 7. So Brett says 20 to 7 in favor of Liberty. Uh, we're going we're gonna to say. By the way, Joe is sorry he couldn't be here, but he did want to give his, his take. Is he really sorry he can't be here? I, well, we I'm mean, sorry that we are here. Also, yeah. maybe we could just interject Joe's commentary from last year's podcast before we played Liberty, because I remember listening to that episode and just loving. He gives <laughs> so so. Joe has yeah. Liberty beating Syracuse twenty three to twenty. Kevin, uh, I was going to say twenty one seventeen. Syracuse, Syracuse. Okay. I said I'm the, the, the jerk wad that said we were going to win all four games to start the season. So did I. I, have, I, I picked us to win uh, all four games. So I am going to take Liberty in this. Uh, I thought Liberty is going to win this game for several weeks at this point. I think Malik Willis is just too good. I think Malik Willis is going to have a really, really good night. I really do. Uh, I just As good as this Syracuse defense is, they have not seen a guy like this yet this year. And I don't necessarily think this is going to be a great game. I'm going to take Liberty 31-14. Ouch. So let's just do a quick whip around of the other schools that we've played and are about to play. Ohio is now 0-3 after a 49-14 loss at Louisiana. Rutgers back in action against FCS Delaware. They win that 45-13. Rutgers now 3-0. and And they've played nobody. There you go. So, Liberty, as I said, 45-17 over Old Dominion last week. Wake Forest beats Florida State 35-14. The Seminoles are 0-3 for the first time since 1976. 
Good. guys. Good. Things not going well in Tallahassee. Clemson, 14-8 to over Georgia Tech. They stopped Georgia Tech on the last play of the game. Yellow Jackets almost took out the Tigers. Big news out of there, uh, Lynn J. Dixon, the running senior running back, transferring, and they lost defensive tackle Tyler Davis for the season. So some, some big losses there for Clemson. Virginia Tech on the road at West Virginia. They lose 27-21. Boston College, new quarterback. They win it 28-3, but a very different game. Justin Lynch, 17-24 for a little over 160 yards. That's it. Very different than what uh, Boston College was before him. Louisville, 42-35 win versus Central Florida. That's a big win for the ACC. A big win for Louisville. North Carolina State, 45-7 over Furman out of the FCS. No shocker there. Pittsburgh. After the big win at Tennessee, loses to Western Michigan at home, 44-41. Fun fact, the ACC has played three games against the MAC. Syracuse is the only one to come away with a win. So, hey, Tim Lester, represent. It's yeah, like yeah that's Michigan. right. Former Syracuse uh, coordinator, Tim Lester. That, and losing, Pittsburgh losing that game is the most pit thing that can happen. It is. We it is. lose it, to like a Central Michigan or a Western Michigan or some, some strange direction Michigan. Yeah, and and Pitt. That is why Pitt is like eternally seven and five. Uh, they they always land at seven and five. I hate the whole state of Michigan's college football apparatus in regards to the. I don't know I, if there's an Eastern Michigan. I hate them too. There is an there Eastern is. Michigan. Just I believe they're the ones, they're believe, the ones that took out Dungey. I believe Central Michigan. Central yeah, Michigan. yeah. 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 Tomato, Tomato, whatever. So I believe Eastern Michigan might be coming up on one of our schedules in the next couple of years. There's also a Northern Michigan, guys. There, there is. Oh my gosh, guys! They can read a compass. Not in the FBS. Well, I mean, there's Uh, no like Northern New York University, is there? There's not enough people for it. You can create it, Colin. This could be your dream if you build it. They won't. Just uh, there was this girl that I was talking to a couple weeks ago on this um, trip I was on. Um, and, uh, she was referring to her, what? Colin said, damn, as soon as he said there was this girl I was talking to. I mean, this anyway, is like, I mean, I'm over here talking about Northern Michigan university and we say, and, hard and she, to, she claimed to be from central, like central New Jersey, which I've never heard of central New Jersey as a. Drew Medeiros used to talk about central New Jersey. He would claim yeah. that he was from central New Jersey. He'd always preface it with their. There's North Jersey and South Jersey, and none of the two recognize that Central Jersey exists, but it does. So I firmly remember this. On this trip, I was on, everyone, just the running joke was that it was a, not a real place, and there was just a big hole in the middle of the state of New Jersey. This is probably my fault, but I believe that we have gone off the rails in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's usually, I think, your fault. Yeah, well, you know. The 2021-2022 ACC basketball schedule dropped last week. So just wanted to point out some interesting matchups for Syracuse. So the first ACC game of the year, it's going to be a doozy, a road matchup at Florida State, December 4th. So getting to the real tough games right away. A New Year's Day matchup in the Carrier Dome with Virginia. Then you've got a a three-game home stretch. From January 11th through the 18th against Pitt, Florida State, and Clemson. At Duke, January 22nd. Uh, At Pitt, January 25th. 
Uh, let's see here. February 5th at home with Louisville. February 19th, another home game with Louisville. So now here's the last four games because this is not easy. February 22nd at Notre Dame. February 26th in the Carrier Dome with Duke. February 28th at North Carolina. March 5th home with Miami. So that is a doozy finish. But I have to say overall, I I like what I saw on the schedule. I obviously didn't name every ACC game there. I, I kind of pick and chose some of the bigger ones. But I don't think this is quite as murderous as some of the schedules Syracuse has gotten in recent years. So hopefully they can take advantage of it, especially uh, they get some of those little streaks of home games. Uh, you're going to have to win in the Carrier Dome for sure, which isn't breaking any news. But uh, and, and a New Year's Day matchup with UVA, that'll be exciting. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for thanks for <laughs> thanks for chiming in, everybody. Stoked. That that was great. I missed the episode where you guys talked about Jimmy Beheim. Oh God. Oh. Dude, I forgot about it. Oh. You okay. Wait. Oh. Let's talk about Apple Farmer Jimmy. Oh, this is God. this no, no, might that's, be that, that's that's Buddy. Buddy was the Apple Farmer. Oh, that's right. Buddy's the Apple Farmer. Come on. I'm kind of excited about basketball. I mean, usually I don't get excited about basketball until probably November, December. But I'm really excited of where we left things last year and what we could be this year and how much better Buddy could be. And, you know, let's just have a big old friggin' Bayheim pot of stew this year and, and see where it takes us. You know, let the guy ham it up. The last thing we want is for Jim Bayheim to – to sort of mail this in and, and start, you know, not caring anymore. So maybe having his older son there is going to, is going to matter. But having said that, I completely agree. It's super cheesy that we are the ones who decided to, to take a, a risk on him just because I'm not exactly sure where he fits into this offense. And just similar to what Colin said in, in the previous episode, would he be on this team if his name weren't Beheim? No. I think the answer is probably no. Probably. Uh, probably. Well, probably. Yeah. But regardless, uh, I'm excited about basketball. You know, I'm, I'm ready for a, for a, a, an improvement on last season and to build on our, our Sweet 16 run. So instead I, of I what wish they, the audio could capture the look I'm giving you right now. Uh, well, yeah, I was about to say, I've seen about five looks out of Brett in the last two minutes, and they were all – very interesting. I think that the, 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 the takeaway for the Jimmy Beheim thing is that I don't care. I really don't care. We lost a bunch of players. We needed to backfill some players. Great. You know, you, you could make the same argument that we were more competitive at recruiting him because of Syracuse than him being able to come to our program because his dad was the coach. Like, I mean, to say that he's a guy that's not even qualified to be on our roster I think is a bit of a stretch. The guy, the guy can be in the locker room. If he gets a lot of playing time, you can, you can make some arguments there. If he starts playing more than five or 10 minutes, you know, right off the bat, I'd be kind of shocked. Jimmy Beheim should be what he is. A gratitude. Kevin, I don't think you can make the case. You don't actually care about Jimmy Beheim Cause we just spent five minutes on a football episode in September talking about Jimmy Beheim. And I still well, don't I know just, why. I just wanted to I want to talk about apple farming and buddy. I just wanted to chime chime in because I missed that episode back when you guys talked about it. So I just it was, that was like eight months ago, man. 
Hey, it's the boat. Guys, it's gone. Just, all Wait, right. Hey, it, you, you can't be living in the past. You got to look forward. I'm looking getting... forward to this season where we're going to have Jimmy Bayheim on our roster. And I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. Because Colin cares. Colin's so upset that I'm I just so, can't. I'm so, I, guys, you, you, you don't understand. You then, don't understand how I feel. I think Colin being upset about it makes me more in the Jimmy Beheim camp. If, wow. if you want to have some fun and you want to find this episode, you can go back in the old episodes. It was the episode Beheim You is the name of the episode. You can find it. And we talk about how we've essentially become Beheim You with Jimmy joining, and you can get Colin's. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a hot take. It's just basically, if you want to hear Colin have a meltdown on air, <laughs> listen to that. Listen to that episode. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, that's a very good yeah, one yeah. I mean, I cannot wait for Jimmy Beheim to make some stupid mistake because the first episode after that is going to be absolutely beautiful. As it's just going to be Colin having another meltdown. Uh, and uh, it'll be worth it. But that's all we have for this week. Three idiots and a lawyer. And uh, if you have the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, you should let us know. We just want to know that it's safe. Make sure to like us on Facebook. Three idiots and a lawyer. Tweet at us at three IL pod. Tell your friends about us. We, we love talking to you about Syracuse sports. Tell your Syracuse friends. You don't have to admit that you know us. Just say that you enjoy listening to these four or five guys, depending on the week. Talk about Syracuse sports, and uh, we would be happy to have more people join in. 3idiotlawyer at gmail.com is where you can send your mailbag thoughts. And uh, being that it after this week, it'll be a third of the way through football season, maybe we should open up that mailbag next week, talk a little bit about Syracuse football, and see what you guys are thinking as well. Tell us what you think. Should Sean Tucker wear the number 44? For Kevin O'Keefe, Brett Fortnum, Colin Lerner, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.